Welcome to Marysville Church of Nazarene. Good to see you all here this morning. And this, these are the first things that I've been saying. We haven't had any conversation before this, right? Right, right? Well, it is good to see all your bright and shiny faces. And, um, you know, I, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I believe that we're moving that direction. And hopefully here pretty quick, we'll, we'll be back to, to a closer normal, whatever normal ends up after all this has happened. Uh, just be aware, next week, second service, or next week, service times are changing. Your service time will not change. We're continuing with the 9 o'clock service, but the 11 o'clock service is moving to 10.30. So there'll be a 9 o'clock and a 10.30 service beginning next week. Our kids' ministries are going to begin meeting in the first, or in the second service only, in the second service only. Uh, they'll begin checking in at 10.15, and they'll be completed somewhere around 11.30, and so we, we'd encourage you to get your kids at 1130. Uh, also, in, on September 20th, we have one Sunday school class beginning. Bob C's class will begin at 1015 in, in the activity center, the family life center, whatever you want to call it. And, and then we're looking at, um, at Judy Tools class also starting pretty quick. Hopefully sometime around there, maybe a little bit later, I think Judy has some things she's got to take care of first. And they'll be meeting in a Sunday school classroom up there. Also, uh, next week, in this service only, man, this is going to drive people to this service, <laughs> coffee. Woo, yeah, coffee will be in this service. Uh, it'll be served. We're, we're not going to make it self-serve at this point, but it'll be served, and so we will have coffee available in this service, and all God's people said, Amen. yeah, we all need coffee. Let's pray. Stand with me, if you will. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to gather, uh, this time to be with each other. Uh, this is the point. Uh, the, the point is not some isolated spirituality. Uh, the point is not just me and God. The point is us and God. That, that, that somehow you are bringing a group of people together in unity and love uh, through your grace and your mercy and your spirit. And so, Lord, as we gather here, it is a mark of your work. And so we give you praise, we give you thanks, you are good all the time, and we trust you. Even when things seem to be going uh, far from our plans, uh, we believe we still serve a God who still has his hand in our life and is still active. So help us now as we sing, that we'll sing uh, to you, that we'll reflect on you, and you will receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We are actually going to take a couple minutes before we sing. I know, it's okay, just a, just a couple of minutes. I'm going to read a Bible verse, and then I'm going to ask you to do something. So prepare your hearts now to get just a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? All right. There's your warning. This is from Psalm 28, um, verse 6. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. I want to ask you, how many of you have a testimony of how the Lord has helped you? Most of you. Great. We are gathered here not just to come, like, look and hear, like, a band play. To be honest, this I, I would totally do away with this stage. Maybe I'll chat with Ryan about how we can totally rework this so that it's not so much like we're playing this for you. Okay, This is not like for show, right? We're here 
to share of his faithfulness together, okay? So I wanna ask you to take a couple of minutes. You've already been mingling. If you don't wanna mingle, that is respected. Stay where you are, and I would suggest pull out your phone. Folks attending our church through live stream, pull out your phone. This is a time to connect with God's people and share how he's been faithful to you, right? As the psalmist David said, I am helped. As Pastor Paul said, we're not here to just be like, oh, this is me and my little spirituality, and I love you, Lord, and I'm going to worship you. No. There is a massive gathering here. Praise the Lord. And we're going to share in his faithfulness. So we're, we're just going to play like a little bit of music before we actually sing. And if you're comfortable, turn to even just the people beside you in your family. You can stay your six feet, but share how the Lord's been good to you and how he's been faithful. sing together.
in what we did before we started singing. Perhaps through this next song, you might peek around beside you and remember what your neighbor shared with you via text or speaking or just what you know of them because this is our family, right? Looking at each other and remembering, oh, I know the Lord's brought you through this. Praise his name. This is a newer song. I hope you remember it. <laughs> There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I'll never be alone. There was another in the fire. Standing next to me, there was another in the waters, holding back the secrets. Should I ever be reminded of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden, and another died. 
so loved. 
Do you all know that? You are dearly loved by a God who formed you and cares about every detail of your life. Let's pray this together. Grant us, O Lord, to trust in you with all our hearts, for as you always resist the proud who confide in their own strength, so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Guys, can see it. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you all. Hi, Zoe. That is the highlight of, of every time I get up here, and I just get to look out and see her, and I can't tell you guys how excited I am for next Sunday and to be back with our kids. It's so good to have them in here, and you know how my heart is all about family worship, but it also is so good for me to have that time with your kids and for them to have that time together. So this morning we're kicking off a new service, or a new series, and it's called WISE. And so I thought this would be a really great opportunity for me to share a moment from my childhood. Don't worry, it has nothing to do with tuna fish, but it is, again, not one of my finest moments. Um, as a kid, my dad was kind of a MacGyver sort, and so like I watched him. He was a handyman. He could fix about anything, maybe not in the most conventional way. I mean, he measured with like a screwdriver and those kinds of things. But I mean, I would watch him, and it's like if something was broke, he'd find a way to fix it. And so one time I was raking leaves with my brother and sister, and one of our rakes, the head came off. And so I thought, you know, I've seen my dad do this a bunch of times. I need his power drill, and I need a screw, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and screw the head of the rake back on. Well, in the course of, of doing this, I ended up shredding the screw, and I actually got, like, the metal shavings up in my eye. And, like, you could see them. If I looked in the mirror, I could see where I had, like, pieces of metal, like, in my eye. So I also got to take my first trip to the eye doctor. And while I was at the eye doctor, I realized that I had been compensating for years the fact that I actually desperately needed glasses. And so after visiting the eye doctor, getting the metal out, all of that, I um, got my very first pair of glasses. And I was actually so excited about them because I thought wearing glasses just made you look so smart. Like I looked at my friends that had glasses and I was like, man, yes, I finally get to join, join the group. And I know nowadays it's actually a thing to wear glasses that don't have a prescription to look smart. And um, I won't say who in this room likes to do this, but I'm going to join the club this morning. So as I was wearing my glasses, I was realizing all of the things that I had not been able to see before. So I came out of this eye doctor appointment with this knowledge that I really needed glasses. I had a pair of glasses, but I actually had to act on that knowledge and wear them to get the benefit of them. And so I could wear my new glasses and I felt like I looked so smart all the time, so studious, I love to read. I was like, this is just, it completed the whole ensemble for me. But this month we're gonna be talking about wisdom and how wisdom is different than knowledge. When I went to fix that rake, I had a lot of knowledge. I knew how to use a power tool, I knew I needed a screw, but I lacked some important wisdom. I had never done it before. I didn't have a guide there to help me. I was just going off of what I had seen, what I'd read, and I'm just gonna act on it. And I found out that was, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is not collecting all of these facts 
and just gaining all of this knowledge, wisdom is how we act on that knowledge, what we do with the facts that we know. Solomon had this really awesome opportunity where God basically said, I'll give you anything you want. And what he asked for was wisdom. He asked for an understanding heart, a heart that could make good decisions. And, but in that wisdom, he actually, like, there was action. He didn't just get all of the knowledge of all of the world. His wisdom was in action and in his way of leading his people. So I could sit here today and I could read you about how to ride a bike. I could read you about how to code a computer program. I could read you a recipe. And in that, all I would be doing is giving you knowledge. You might even be able to say, well, yeah, I know, I, I understand how to do that. But until you've actually done it, you're lacking in that experience and in that perspective. Until I actually put on my glasses, I had no idea all of the things that I had been missing. And so I always think it's funny, this story is, is really tied into me making a bad decision about using my dad's power tools without asking him and without getting proper training, which led me to realize all of the other things in my life that I had not been seeing. And this morning, I'm going to read you a verse. It's from James. And you guys know I'm going to look so smart while I do it because I'm wearing my glasses. So let's listen carefully here. This is James 1.5, and it's the verse our kids are going to be memorizing this month. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If I had asked my dad if he would help me fix the rake, if he'd teach me how to use his tools, I know he would have said yes. My dad would have loved the chance to help me gain the experience, gain the wisdom. He probably would have reminded me to put on safety goggles. When we don't know what to do, when we have all of this information that comes at us all the time and we don't know what to do with it, that verse says the smart thing, the thing that's going to look most intelligent, is for us to actually ask God for wisdom. Ask him for his guidance. Ask him for what to do next. Our knowledge isn't going to get us anywhere if we don't couple it with, with action and with moving forward. Someone one time once told me the difference between knowledge and wisdom. He's like, knowledge is knowing that like apples are a fruit, oranges are a fruit, tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that tomatoes don't belong in a fruit salad. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you want to really look smart, you don't need the glasses. We need to walk in the knowledge that we know and act on it in the right ways. I'm going to invite Pastor Paul to talk to us a little bit more about Solomon this morning. I do want to let you know also that, um, and I did not announce this, Ed Stoner's service will be September 19th at 2 p.m. at uh, Partners Park in the Pavilion. So I know the family would appreciate it. And uh, if, if you feel safe to, to join them as we celebrate the life of Ed, um, you know, it's possible to know what's right and yet not do what's right. If <laughs> I understand that, that's, that's a pretty easy concept to understand. But it's possible to know the right thing to do, but not do the right thing. Even animals understand that. Our, our dog, Kobe, when he was a puppy, he would, he would get, he, he loves shoes. I, I don't know why he loves shoes, but he loves shoes. So he'd get my shoe and he'd put a toy in front of the shoe so it looked like from my chair, he was chewing on the toy, but he was chewing on my shoe. 
Uh, you know, so, so even, even a dog, I mean, can know, okay, this isn't the right thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and, and not just dogs, humans, people do the same thing. We, we may say, well, my blood pressure is too high. So, so the right thinking is, well, I'm, I'm going to exercise, uh, I'm going to avoid salt, I, I'm going to watch my weight, and yet then we find ourselves at Der Dutchman, and all those right-thinking things go out the door. Or maybe our finances are a mess, and, and, and so we think, okay, i, I got to do something about my finances, and, and so the right thing to do is I need to budget, I need to work hard, I need to save, I need to eliminate debt, and then you go to Sam's Club or Costco, and they have those big screen TVs. And you know, now that they have 75-inch TVs, 80-inch TVs, 50-inch TVs are way too small, right? And so you make that spur-of-the-moment purchase that just to, to satisfy you. See, wisdom, and we're going to be talking about wisdom this month, is a combination of knowing right and doing right. It's not just knowing things. So what's it mean to be wise? It's not about degrees or position. It's not about being able to do well on Jeopardy. Who likes Jeopardy? Anybody like Jeopardy? I like to watch it earlier in the day and then watch the rerun and make people think I'm really smart with knowing all the answers. It's not... It's not even about position. Uh, you know, being, being a pastor <laughs> doesn't make me any more wise than anyone else. And all God's people said, amen, that's fine. It's not about, it's even not necessarily about age. Uh, you know, hopefully as we age and as we mature, we grow more wise. Uh, but the truth is, sometimes that doesn't make us more wise. It's right thinking plus right acting equals wisdom. That, that when we think right and we act right, then wisdom begins to manifest itself in our life. Now, where does wisdom come from? Wisdom begins with God, and, and we see this in the Scriptures, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so God is the source, is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, and when we think about this, we, th we think right thinking, uh, seeing things in the right way, acting in the right way, begins with God. And we see this in the story of Solomon. And Solomon, Solomon is King David's son. He is King David's son by Bathsheba. And so through this inappropriate relationship, uh, David has a son, it's not the first child they're going to have. They lose the first child, but it's the next child. And Solomon becomes the rightful heir to the throne. This, this is the one God chooses to be the king. And so after David's gone, there's, there's some civil war. And, and then eventually Solomon uh, achieves his position. And then in 1 Kings 3, Solomon becomes the king of Israel. And so he goes to God and he says to God, listen, I'm, 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 I'm young, I'm inexperienced, I need wisdom. 
You need to give me wisdom if I'm going to rule appropriately. And God says, because you've asked for wisdom, because you've asked for wisdom, not only will I give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you power and money as well. You could have asked for power. You could have asked for money. You asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you wisdom, power, and money. Now, interestingly, at the beginning of 1 Kings 3, there is a couple verses that are really a preamble to the troubles that Solomon has. At the beginning of his kingship, it says that, that Solomon takes a bride from Egypt to begin to consolidate power. And so God gave Solomon wisdom. He freely gave Solomon wisdom, plus wealth and power. And God intended Solomon to build his life on wisdom, not the wealth and not the power. But Solomon chose, even though God freely gave him wisdom, Solomon chose to build his life not on the wisdom that God had given, but on the wealth and the power. He chose to build his life upon the consolidation of his power through marrying foreign women and people who would give him more influence. And Solomon illustrates this to us because ultimately the kingdom splits. Wisdom is more than knowing the right thing to do. Biblical wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is right living leading to right relationships. Uh, James 3.13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom, in the gentleness of wisdom. And so James is saying, listen, if, if you're wise, this will be lived out in the way you live your life in relation to other folks. That, that wise people understand that wisdom is applied to relationships. And so when we stop to consider wisdom, the, the main question becomes this. Wise people ask this question. What action builds relationships? Well, well, what can I do in this situation to restore, to repair, to grow? What can I do in this situation? What action can I take that will build relationship? All right, now, now let's take a step back. God freely gives wisdom. Do you believe that today? That, that this isn't... We do not preach a mystery religion where, where you, have to, you have to jump through hoops and you have to figure out secret things. God freely gives wisdom to his people. Mara read this scripture, but if any of you lacks, and this is from James, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. And so James is saying, listen, if, if you lack wisdom, if you don't understand what to do, ask God. He'll tell you. 
You know the context of that passage? The context of James 1.5 is tribulation. It's persecution. It's when things aren't going according to plan. It's one of those ad-lib moments in the life of the people of God. And they're trying to figure out how to make sense of all that's going around, on around them. I kind of feel like we live in one of those moments, don't you? Don't you? I do. I feel like I'm living in one of those moments where, you know, Terry said just the other day, could we start 2020 over? And I said, I don't want to. You know, there seems to be in our life, there's so much going on right now that we simply don't understand. And quite frankly, we don't even know what to do. And into that, James says, ask God. Our Heavenly Father, and I love that analogy, Mara, our Heavenly Father is not withholding and holding anything back, but He wants to freely give us wisdom. And so there's sources of wisdom. The Bible is a source of wisdom. Um, you know, we, we, we all have access to the Bible. We're thankful that in, in, in our country, no one keeps us from having a Bible. Aren't you thankful for that? If you have a smartphone, you can get almost any translation you want on your phone. We, we, we have Bibles are not a problem. And God gives us His Word, and it's a source of wisdom. This community is a source of wisdom. God speaks through community. And as a matter of fact, I believe when we consider the Bible, it's just not me and the Bible, it's the community in Bible. That, that together, we as a community of believers, as we read and interpret the Bible together, God gives wisdom. I talked about this not long ago, but, but, but sometimes we get caught up in this trap of this, uh, this internalized spirituality where it's just me and God, and, and there's danger in that. That, that we need each other because we, we receive balance, we receive meaning and significance in the midst of relationship. Tradition. You know, th things... Sometimes I think we, we, we have this desire to throw everything out every morning. But we don't have to. We can rest sometimes on just tradition and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm just going to rest in that. I'm going I'm to rest in that fundamental belief. I, I don't have to be reconvinced every time. And, and, and maybe another way of saying that is the past. Believe it or not, some mornings when I get up, and, and I know this is going to sound unbelievable to you, God does not manifest himself in some powerful way that overwhelms my reason. Anybody with me here, or are you going to make me feel all alone? There's times in my walk where I say, okay, this is the direction you've set me on, God. These are the things that you have said are important. I don't need to be convinced again of these things, but I'm just going to step in faith that what you've spoken into my life in the past is true. Prayer. We can receive wisdom through prayer. I believe praying with others helps us 
a lot as well. That, that there is these private prayer times, but when we pray with others, and I'm appreciative of Sue and, and how she coordinates so many different prayer ministries in our church, our ability to think. God gave you your brain and your ability to reason for a, for a, for, for on purpose. It's not an accident. And so God allows us and I, and I understand that, that in a lot of ways I'm, I'm building on what is called Wesley's quadrilateral, which he never purposefully wrote, but people have taken from his, from his writings that the, the Bible, tradition, community, and reason form the basis of how we take action. And finally, and, and this is at least the Spirit, I believe the Spirit speaks individually, and I believe the Spirit speaks corporately. All these are sources of, of wisdom. And right thinking should lead to right acting. In other words, I'm going to throw a couple words at you. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Both of these are essential. Orthodoxy is thinking correctly. And oftentimes in the church, we spend a great deal of time on orthodoxy. What do you believe? What do you think? But, but orthodoxy that does not lead to orthopraxy is lacking. That, that if our right thinking does not lead to acting correctly, then we're missing the whole point of what God's trying to do in our lives. We're missing the point of wisdom. See, Jesus is the model of wisdom. And Jesus models right thinking and right acting. That Jesus thought in a correct way, and from the way he thought, his actions followed. So, so the Bible will say things like, 1 John 1, 2, 6 says, act like Jesus. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And, and John's talking about Jesus. And, and so John is saying, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus... Act like Jesus. And the Bible tells us to think like Jesus. In, a, in Philippians 2.5 it says, and this is probably one of the earliest hymns in the church, in your lives you must, or let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And that's the NRSV version. And it's saying you need to think like Jesus. Now in the New Century version it says it like this. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Wisdom is a combination of right thinking and right acting. Now here's the rub. Often, it's not for a lack of wisdom in our lives that we act inappropriately. But it's a failure to apply. In fact, I don't believe you need to be reminded again. Maybe you do, but I think you would affirm that this is doctrinally true. You don't need to be reminded again to forgive, to serve, to give, to love, to show mercy, to be kind. You know, These are all scriptural ways of 
acting and, and, and thinking. And I don't think in the church, most of us, a lot of us, have been taught these things from early on. And the problem is not that we don't know the right doctrine or the right way to think, but we've not applied that thinking at times to the way that we act. I tried to figure out the word that I wanted to use to describe this interaction between thinking and acting. And the first word I thought of was transactional. You know, it's a transaction. You know, that's uh, in, in the law, a, a, a contract is formed when, when one party makes a promise and the other gives something in return. So, there, so there's a two-party thing. And so in my mind, I think, well, that's kind of like God with wisdom, that, that God gives wisdom, but for that wisdom to become to fruition, that we need to give something back. And that something back is action in relation to that thinking. But then the word transition came to mind. Wisdom is the transition of right thinking to right action. So, so why does, and this is a time to be introspective in your lives, why, why does right thinking not always transition to right acting? I think Solomon's a good example. And I think perhaps God gave us Solomon as the face of, of given wisdom, of someone who received wisdom but didn't live wisdom, Read the story of Solomon. Solomon does not live wise. And yet God gives him all this wisdom. And I think maybe God does this, and, and this is the face of wisdom, so that we can see the pitfalls that sometimes comes, not just for Solomon, but for all of us. Why didn't Solomon act in accordance to the wisdom that he was given? Cultural pressure, right? You know, this is how all the kings did it. You know, any, any king around me married 300 wives, God bless them, to consolidate power. So there is cultural pressure to act contrary to the way that God called him to act. You know, that cultural pressure's in your life too, right? You know, when, when, we're, when we're called to say, okay, to, to give or to be generous, and yet our culture says, no, you don't need to give and you don't need to be generous. What you really need is that new Lexus. You need that new car. Now, if you have a Lexus, I'm not, I, if somebody went and bought a Lexus today or this week, I didn't know that, okay? It's not at you. And, and I'll be honest. That pressure that you face is the pressure in my life, right? That, that in my life, I've done things because of cultural pressure that have limited my ability to do other things. And so we have a, a culture that pressures us at times to act contrary to God because our culture says, look at what everybody else is doing and do it just like them. Fear. Anybody not do the right thing just simply because of fear? You know, maybe it was a relationship that was damaged and you needed to step out, but you were just flat afraid of what the other person would do. Selfishness. 
let, let, let's, let's, let's be self-honest enough. Uh, Solomon practices selfishness. And, and folks, all of us at our time in our life will struggle with this. And, and, and I think it's, and we'll talk about that later. I, I think that when we don't acknowledge these things in our life, it, it limits God's ability to change us and grow us and mature us. Inconvenience. All of these things are occurring when we do not choose right acting in response to right thinking. So we go to Der Dutchman, even though our blood pressure is way too high. And of course, if you buy the buffet, you can't just do one plate, right? You've got to get your money's worth. They've got to know that you've been there. Or Kobe chews on my shoe instead of the toy because it's just what he selfishly wants to do. So how do we move past this? Unhealthy behavior with wrong acting in relation to right thinking, that the unhealthy behavior is justifying. That, that oftentimes we behave in a way that's inconsistent. We, a good example is we refuse to forgive someone because they've not asked for forgiveness. Do, do you realize that nowhere in the Bible does it say, forgive everyone who asks for your forgiveness, right? Because forgiveness is not between you and another person. Forgiveness is a transaction between you and God. Forgiveness is where you say, I'm letting go of this, God, and I'm not going to let this eat me alive. And so we justify the grudge and the bad attitude and the way that we feel about somebody because they don't come and ask us for forgiveness and acknowledge that they're wrong. And so what we end up doing is we justify our behavior and we become holy in our grudge and that becomes the new way of thinking. See, behavior, behavior can influence how we think. And when we don't, we do not honestly deal with the way that we're thinking, it leads to a, a, a division between what we think is right or what we knew is right at one time and what we start believing. So what's the healthy behavior? Careful self-consideration. Confession. Moving through. Do not justify wrong actions with somehow trying to create a new ethic. Vision says, be very careful then how you live, and not as unwise, but as wise. I believe wise people, when they mess up, when their actions are not consistent with what is right thinking, I believe they, they put a name on it, they confess it, and they begin to try to figure out how to move past it. They don't justify it. Can I just say this as an aside? One of the most damaging things to someone outside the church is to see church members, Christians, 
justifying behavior which is not consistent with the wisdom of God. Um, you know, I, I've seen too many people that have had churches damage their faith by showing judgment instead of grace, by showing division instead of love. And so this body, to be helpful to people, we need to clearly act consistently with the wisdom that God has given. And if we can't act in that way, we need to acknowledge our shortcomings and say we are trying to get better. Um, justifying wrong action in connection with what God's right thinking is, is damaging to you, your family, those who observe you, your church, and your church's witness in your community. So let's go back to where we were. Wisdom is right, living, leading to right relationships. And, and so as we, we close this out, the, the question, and, and I believe this, I, I believe as we consider God's wisdom and God's call for his people, it's all about relationships. Right? Can we acknowledge this? That, that, that it's not about buildings, it's not about it's about building relationships with, with others. And it's it's about building relationship with God. But but God also wants us to be equally concerned about relationships with others. I could take that a few steps further, but let, let's just focus on that right now. And as you as you consider the wisdom that God has given you. Are your actions building relationships with others? Or are your actions damaging relationships with others? I thought about how to close this sermon, and the truth is, and when I say the truth is, when preachers say stuff like that, that doesn't mean the rest of what I said wasn't true, okay? I believe as each of you are sitting in here, God has given you, freely given you, the knowledge of, of what you should be doing. And the struggle is not the knowledge, but the struggle is the application of that knowledge. How I take what you've given me, God, and move forward. It's possible that as you're sitting in this place, you're in a real dilemma. And I believe we face dilemmas in this current environment like no other time. And maybe you are struggling with God. I don't know what the next right step is. And I, wouldn't, I would never say, don't ask. But I think there's two struggles going on. The struggle of knowing and the struggle of doing. So we're going to take just a moment and we'll ask, Clint, can we put something just quiet on and all heads bowed, all, all eyes closed, just to invite you to talk to God for a moment. Maybe there's somebody there you want to pray with, and that'd be great too. Altars are always available, then I'm going to close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we invite you to speak.
We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your wisdom. There's voices all around us. We don't lack information in our age, but we do lack meaning. So I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to block out the voices that are inconsistent with yours and to listen to you. To, to listen through the Bible, to, to listen in the midst of community, to, to listen to your Holy Spirit, to listen in prayer, to pay attention to where we've come from and allow you to speak. And Lord, as I stand before this congregation in my 57 years, what I realize is you've spoken in my life over and over and over again. And Lord, many in this room will, can testify to the same thing, that, that it's not been a lack of wisdom, a, a lack of speaking, but there's been times when we've not applied what you've said. Lord, help us to be wise, not just in our thinking, but in our actions. Help us to look at the example of Solomon who was freely given wisdom and yet chose to do things his own way. And at the end of his life, there was family division. There was community division. And there was really no manifestation of your wisdom in the life of Israel. So help us now, Lord, not only to carefully consider and ask you to speak, but Lord, may we carefully consider what you've already said. Evaluate our lives and determine whether we are living consistently with the wisdom, the knowledge that you've given. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless, folks. Thank you.